Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. We'll start out with a report of what Janine and I saw in the fields, uh, field visits in Iowa last week. If you're looking to kill some time before harvest and want to see the damage of a Duraco with your own eyes, I highly suggest you get in your truck and drive up to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Then go west on Highway 30, at least to Tama. And on your way back, go ahead and wander on either side of Highway 30 to look at the carnage. A lot of the roads are cleared and the power lines are put back together and, and the things are in uh, the process of recovery. You know, so you won't be in the way uh, now if you go up there of the people that needed to get their work done. There is no way as a farmer that you can make that drive and not have an outpouring of sadness or grief for the fellow farmers who are dealing with so much property and crop damage. When you talk to those guys, they'll tell you they, how lucky they feel that no one on their farm operation got killed and with the help of neighbor helping neighbor and insurance, they're going to persevere. My brother told me that some of the silage harvesters in the north went down there to help those guys chop some of that for their cattle. Janine and I spent Friday with Scott and Matt and uh, Logan in the fields there south of Rhinebeck. I have to tell you, Scott nailed it on the head when he described the devastation in our podcast a while back. Usually when a farmer tells me on the phone about how bad things are, when I travel there, it's usually not as bad as I had imagined it in my mind based on their description. But in this situation, what Scott laid out in the podcast is right on the mark. It was a tough day. In the nine years that I've worked with those guys, this was the biggest crop I've ever seen in that area. The first thing that surprised me was how green Matt and Scott's fields were. You know, the storm was, what, August 10th? We are there 25 days after the storm. I expected to see nothing but dead corn. Now, while there was a lot of dead corn in the area, most of Matt and Scott's was still green. This would be a testament to the condition these fields were in before the storm. As we stood this down corn up and did yield checks, which I must say is a tough job, only about a third of the plants were kinked. And those kink plants were dead and the ears were getting rubbery already. The other two-thirds were still green, being lodged over at the crown like a tree getting tipped over. These plants were still trying to fill the ear. I'll post some pictures of these big ears that we saw up there. We were getting yield checks in that 270-290 range. This corn almost made it before the storm. Though it's about 10 days from Black Lair when we were there, but I'm sure it's going to slow down as it's lying flat. We stood plants up and they're a little over 12 foot tall. So we were able to walk over the top of 270 bushel corn that was 12 foot tall. Walk right across the top of it. Being 10 days from Black Lair, and I imagine best they might get a quarter point of moisture out of that per day being that it's flat after it reaches black layer which should put them 40 50 days away from harvesting any corn in the mid to low teens by that time harvestability will be about impossible 
for sure most would be harvested one way with a lot of stopping to remove shrapnel scattered from the storm. Most of you know I say never walk away from a growing crop. But in this case, I don't think they have any choice. Trying to pick this corn up will only lower their insurance check and destroy their combines and drive up their drying cost. Grain quality will be challenged by ear molds with these ears if they're going to lay on the ground here another month. Some of the neighbors had already got zeroed out from their insurance companies and were disking corn down. Scott and Matt's adjuster started appraising their fields this week and Matt got three or four fields zeroed out and he can start to disc those down. Scott didn't have any of his fields that qualified to be zeroed out. Asking Scott what qualifies a field to be zeroed out, Scott said they're using yardsticks to measure how flat the corn is. If it's lower than 20 inches off the ground, it'll be zeroed out and counted as unharvestable. Scott's agent said every week these fields are getting flatter as the stalks die and it keeps raining. He was pretty sure Scott's would be flat enough to zero out in the next week or two. The quicker these fields get zeroed out, the quicker they get worked, the better chance we get some of this corn germinated to reduce the amount of volunteer corn for next year. Fields that have been uh, at that 250 bushel level and they get this down, it just about turns the ground yellow with ears uh, after they work it. Unless this year's corn was a non-GMO, I think it'd be a pretty tough go to do corn on corn because almost all of this corn is mature enough to germinate and create volunteer corn. One option may be to break out the moldboard plow and to bury these ears deep enough. We saw seed corn getting harvested. Most of it was getting harvested one direction. Uh, these fields had the males knocked out before the storm. I'm not sure what they're going to do with those that didn't have the male knocked out and it's twisted up in the down corn now. We'll put a photo album of pictures up on the website that we took while we spent time in that storm damaged area on the webpage there. And I still recommend you take... Take a trip and see it yourself if you got nothing going on and you're hiding out from COVID. Most of the beans in the area, as well as across Iowa in our travels last week, were starting to turn. I do believe their bean harvest will be ahead of ours. From there, we went up to north central Iowa and spent the day with Joe and Brandon. They too called it right in the podcast when they said they had a big crop coming. We saw a lot of corn green top to bottom and filling well. Our lowest yield check for the day was 240, our highest was 310. The biggest yield loss factor uh, to their area looked like the July windstorm. Uh, Joe's area has picked up some August rains, which really is helping that crop along nicely. Some of the fields in the area are showing nitrogen issues and top dieback, but I expect some good to great yields coming from that area. Moving over to northeast Iowa, not far from Joe, about 20 miles, it starts getting dry. And the beans and corn are showing stress on the side hills and all the light ground. In the corn, some of the ears are hanging down from that drought stress. They didn't make black layer and they're starting to get kind of a rubbery kernel already. 
We did yield checks in Northeast Iowa in that 170-225 range. Soybean size is going to be small. I think yields will be respectable, but with the dry weather, we took the top off of a great crop. Here locally, we continue to fight the battle with a bean leaf beetle feeding. And we see more fields indicating that our early fungicide insecticide passes help lower the pressure, but didn't eliminate it completely. Even some of those fields have had to be sprayed this past week. On the disease front, this cool down in temperatures is kicking up some pressure. We're seeing a resurgence of common rust, and now fields have both common rust, which is again cool conditions, and southern rust that came from our hot conditions. You can tell southern rust by the fact that most of the spores are on the top of the leaf, and common rust darker in color and the spores are on both sides of the leaf. It's good to document this when you're doing your scouting out there as far as knowing what the variety response is to these rust and which type of rust. Now neither of these will overwinter so it's not a factor that you have to worry about next year in corn on corn but it's a good thing to know about your hybrid. The other two diseases popping up more and more is northern leaf blight which likes cool weather and Goss's wilt, which is a factor of the wounds from the wind damage this year, in a lot of cases, shots of hail. Neither of these are a real big threat to yield because of how late they're coming in. But it is good to know which one you have, Goss's or Northern Leap Light, for future management. The Northern Leap Light can be managed with hybrid selection and fungicides, while Goss's wilt can only be managed with variety selection. I brought some leaves into the office today where the lesions look similar, but one is northern corn leaf blight and one is Goss's wilt. I'll have Zach post those pictures as well. We can run a test here at the office to help identify Goss's wilt if need to. Now we get positive readings on the stick, which is two red lines. When you get two red lines on the stick, um, it's reading positive for Goss's wilt. We sometimes get false positives but we rarely get false negatives. So if the stick has one line on it, you can be assured it's not Goss's wilt. For you corn-on-corn -corn growers, staying ahead of Goss's wilt is a must. There's nothing we can do once it shows up, being that it's a bacteria. Both of these diseases will overwinter in the corn residue. Scouts, now is the time to start your pre-harvest scouting if you haven't started it already going out there and trying to set your pecking order of how you're going to harvest this crop, knowing what needs to come out first. It's also a good time to do your final yield estimates, keeping track of those kernel counts and locations so you can compare them to actual yields this fall when we do the yield maps. And then we'll know what your actual kernel count per bushel is in those varieties in those fields. The crew is ready to start the fall testing season. So let Katie know as you knock these fields out, so they'll be right behind you. If you haven't turned in your fall testing needs yet, let's get that done so our GIS crew can have the maps ready for the soil testing crews. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.